Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, so this is week three in a message series called Identity Crisis. We've been talking for the last couple of weeks about things that cause us to forget who we are and whose we are. In week one, we kind of landed on the idea that our identity, the seat of our identity, is that we are people deeply loved by our Heavenly Father. That you are someone deeply loved by God above. That's, that's who you are. That's where it starts. And if we're taking our definition from the Scriptures, then our purpose, if you've ever in your life had a window of time during which you pondered such philosophical thoughts, if you've ever thought about your life's purpose. Our purpose on this earth is to glorify God with all of who we are. Now we do that by accident all the time because we were made in God's image. But man, when you get intentional about it, when you get serious about glorifying God with your life on purpose, amazing things can happen. And then last week we talked a little bit about our self-esteem. We talked about how who we are is often robbed from us by a piece of glass we talked about the mirror and how we see ourselves and how others see us and our, 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 our kind of image of ourselves and got down to, to we kind of had, some, had some, some real talk last week. And I want to encourage you, if you, if you weren't here, to, to check it out. Today we're talking about something else that causes us to forget who we are and whose we are. Success and our obsession with it. Let me ask you guys a question as we begin this morning. How would you define success? How would you mark or identify a successful person? Probably out of the gate, if we're talking about a successful person, we often mean someone who's successful financially, right? If you talk about, if, if somebody says to you, oh, he's really successful, typically what comes to mind is Someone who is, who is earning at a certain level, someone who has achieved at a certain level, someone who is excelling uh, kind of at the tip of the pyramid in terms of percentages, uh, at whatever they put their hand to, that's often how we define success for others. But you may have noticed in your own life that often we define success according to what others think. In other words... People often perceive themselves to be successful when other people think they're successful. Did you follow that? It's why so many people drive cars they can't actually afford. Right? It's why, you, it's, it's why people can't, they drive cars that they can't actually afford. It's why you can go to the mall today and buy a pair of jeans that cost $300. Totally do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay? You drive whatever you like, wear whatever you like. You know, you want to wear a $300 pair of jeans, you just rock on with your bad self. That's cool. Do your thing. If you're tithing, you're honoring God with your finances, God is getting the first tenth, and, you're, you're, and, and with what remains, you want to do that for yourself, seriously, go right ahead. But, but admit to yourself, you're, if you're paying $300 for a pair of jeans, you're not buying the jeans, you're buying the label. Own that. It's okay, just own what it is. If you're saying, 
I'm going to pay three times as much for this car, and it's not because this car drives three times as fast or is three times as comfortable. It's because this car, the, the badge, the, the little uh, you know, marker on the front of that car, right? the ornament on the front of that car projects something to the world around me. The ornament on the hood of this car projects that I am successful. And that's what I want to put out there because when I put that out there and people see me, I want them to see that I'm successful. And, and that's the same thing with the, with the, the car, the jeans. It's called the jeans. It's called image management. Have you heard of that phrase before? Image management. You ever want to see image management at work in the real world? Go to your 10-year high school reunion. <laughs> or your 20 or your 30. Mm -hmm. Go to a high school reunion and you will see image man management in full swing. Everybody ha is managing image at the high school reunion. Everybody's going on a diet in the months leading up to the high school reunion. Everybody's, everybody's doing push-ups in the months leading up to the high school reunion. Everybody's working on their tan. Everybody wants to make sure they look good because they're going to show up to the high school reunion because there was somebody in high school who maybe said they wouldn't make it or there was a girl who rejected you in high school and now you're going to show her because you look, look how good you look. There, you, there's, there's, there's something about the reason gathering of people after a group a little you know some time has elapsed where you're going to get together and kind of show everybody how successful you are that's what happens at a high school reunion here's the trouble with image management you can hit all the markers you can hit all the external markers and still be absolutely miserable inside can't you any of you know somebody like that you know somebody, I bet, who hits all the, checks all those boxes. They make the money, and they drive the car, and they have the house to put, the, their driveway to put it in, and they've got the toys, and they've got, they've, exceed, they've exceeded, and they've excelled, and they've been successful by all the earthly standards. And anyone watching from a distance would go, wow, she sure is successful. Wow, he sure is successful. But on the inside, they're just miserable and broken. I bet every one of us knows someone or knows of someone like that. Because you can check all the boxes for worldly definitions of success and still miss it. Still miss it. Some of, some of the most successful people by worldly standards live with the smallest quotient of joy in their life that you've ever seen in a person. Because it'll never be enough. When is it ever enough? How If success is what you thrive on and success is what you're after, when is it ever enough? Now, I know, I see some thought bubbles appearing above your heads. I observe these things. Some of you are thinking to yourself, is it wrong to succeed? Is it bad to succeed? I don't want, I don't want to raise a loser. I want my kid to still be in my basement when he's 35. We've got to start excelling here. We've got to push and be excellent. Okay, I know, I know, I know. Easy, Dad. I get it. I, and I'm with you. I understand that. There's a little generation gap. Older folks often look down on millennials or on a, not look down, but look, you know, back at millennials or a younger generation and think, oh, it's just a group of slackers. They just think differently than you do. Okay? So excellence is something to be striven for. Excellence is something to be achieved. But understand this. When who you are, when your identity as a person is taken from what you achieve or what you earn or what boxes you check or what your sales numbers are or whether you made it to the top of your class or whether you excelled in whatever area you may have chosen 
in your life, when your identity is based in that, you will forget who you are and you will forget whose you are. Obsession, that kind of obsession becomes like a disease and it's one we pass on to our children. I remember vividly, so, so vividly, taking my son Timmy when he was like six to his first soccer game. And I mean, I don't mean to watch, I mean to play. You ever been to a six-year-old soccer game? Have you seen this, this hot mess? It's awful. It's the worst thing ever. I don't know why parents would do this to their kids. It's clear that it's not for the kids. It's for the parents. Like, that's obviously what's happening. Six-year-old, put six-year-olds on the field for a soccer game, right? I mean, help them. They go to practice. They do whatever. It doesn't matter. You put six-year-olds or seven-year-olds in the deal. Only half the kids on the team at any given, on the field, only half the kids on the field at any given moment know that there's a ball <laughs> that they should be paying attention to. Half of them are just... Just enjoying life like a six-year-old is supposed to be doing. Of the kids that know that there's a ball, only half of them know that there's a goal. And of the kids that know that there's a ball and a goal, only half of them know which goal the ball is supposed to go into. So it just turns into a scrum. Like they just, the kids all surround the ball. They all kick at it. And they're kicking each other and kicking at the ball. And eventually somebody kicks another kid by accident. And they fall down and cry. And, and, and then the crowd runs over here. The ball squirts over this way. So the crowd runs this way. And a kid who's daydreaming gets trampled. And then some poor, some poor slob of a high school student is out there trying to referee this thing. Trying to make sense of it. It's bedlam. It's chaos. It's a goat rodeo. There's there's nothing going on that could be considered competitive in this, right? Doesn't matter. There's always like two parents. You, you all know where I'm going with this, right? There's always like two parents on every team going, come on! Come on, Billy! Yeah, Billy, kick it, Billy! You did so good! Oh, come on, ref, that's a foul! And like all the other parents are in their little chairs with their little coffee from 7-Eleven going, dude, seriously? This isn't, but, but you just know like that kid is going to have a hard time growing up. Because out of the gate, it's all about achievement, achievement, achievement. Go, go, go. At that age, win, win. I read an article recently about preschools in Manhattan, like if you're a well-to-do family and you live in Manhattan and you're raising a young son or daughter, one does not simply send one's child to the local preschool. Oh, no, 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 heavens no. No, no, there's preschools in Manhattan that operate like college prep schools. They're tens of thousands of dollars a year, and there's waiting lists and lotteries to see who's going to get in. Because when little Billy and little Susie are learning their ABCs, perhaps they will pick up some sort of competitive advantage in there that will help them to succeed. Oh, it's lunacy. We're missing it. And sometimes our obsession with success gets drilled down into the next generation. I used to see... There was a bumper sticker I used to see quite a bit of. Um, 
I see a lot fewer and fewer bumper stickers. I think people aren't putting bumper stickers on their cars anymore as much, which I think categorically is a good thing. But I used to see a bumper sticker a lot that maybe you've seen too. Proud parent of an honor student at so-and-so middle school, yeah? You've seen that before? Proud parent of an honor student at so-and-so high school, proud parent of a middle school student, high honor student, and that's great. Like your kid made it to the honor roll and they're an honor student, and they're really excelling, and you lack the communication skills to tell them that you're proud of them, so you just put the bumper sticker on the car. I saw a bumper sticker last week that said, my kid beat up your honor student. I thought that was pretty funny. You know what I've never seen? I've never seen a bumper sticker that said, my kids get B's and C's, but he's really honest. I've never seen a bumper sticker that said, my kids get C's and D's, but she's kind, and she's generous and forgiving and loving. Yeah, my kid's not a genius, but he knows that God loves him, and he knows that I love him, and that's where we... Print me a bumper sticker like that, because... That's where success is. That's, what, that, that's how we have to start defining things. And we miss that. Timmy got older. He lost interest in soccer. Eventually, he started playing baseball. He started playing t-ball. And t-ball's great. It's awesome. T-ball's, t-ball's fantastic. Because you don't, you don't keep score in t-ball. You just hit and run. You try to teach the kids. Every t-ball team in the history of t-ball has been undefeated because you don't keep score. But then you move on from t-ball, and it gets to coach pitch, and then kid pitch, and then you kind of move up, and it starts to become, as they get older, they start to actually make plays and actually start to hit, and they start, it starts to become competitive, and you step up to Little League, and he did that, he played Little League for a long time, moved up through Little League, and his team stayed competitive, and then he got picked up by a travel team, and played for a travel team for a little bit, so we're kind of zipping around watching, I, I'm a big, I don't know about you guys, I'm, I'm a big people watcher, anybody else? If I'm ever, you know, out... In the mall, you know, at the movies, at the airport, wherever I might be, if I see a group of people, I'm always watching dynamics, and I watch how people operate, and you know, when you're on a, a little league team, you kind of see the same teams, and you observe the same, <coughs> excuse me, the same pa- parents, and when you do the travel teams, you see the same groups of people, and I, I, you know, I watch, I watch dynamics between fathers and sons, and there were times I, I knew that a kid was going to have a really hard car ride home. Like you'd just see if a kid like struck out looking or, you know, didn't do real well or had a hard time. There were times I could just, because I would watch the dynamics, they watch them walk up to their father, broken and hangdog and just sad, with a father just looking at him like, And man, I did a lot of stuff wrong as a dad and probably still do. But he always knew, Timmy always knew my love and affection and approval of him had nothing to do with his batting average. And we got a Slurpee on the way home every single time, win or lose. Dads, that's important, okay? That's theology, get a Slurpee. (laughs) Did any of you guys grow up with parents who always zeroed in on the one bad grade on the report card. Don't don't raise your hand if your parents are here. 
Just don't make it awkward. But some of you know what this is. You worked and worked and worked and you really did your level best and you applied yourself and you tried, which is more than can be said for a lot of students, and you brought home four A's and you were really excited about that, but you got a B in science because nobody's good at everything. And your parents zeroed right in on that B and said, so what happened here? You were taught, and guess what? Your parents meant well. They mean well. The thing is, they don't want you living in, your, in their basement when you're 35. So they want you to succeed and they want you to, be, they want you to thrive in life. And they're trying, from their point of view, they're trying to be good parents. But what happened was, some of you were taught along the way that the approval and the love and the affirmation and the affection that every child craves will be delivered if and only if you are successful. That the love and the affection and the, the approval that every child craves will be delivered when and only when you achieve. And so we achieve and we achieve and we try and we try and we work and we work and we work. And you take that kid, you take that kid that learned that lesson and fast forward 10 or 15 years, what do you got? you got a stressed-out, workaholic, hurricane of a person who can never say no to anything and feels guilty any time they rest. Did that go by too quick? Let's visit that again. You take a kid who learns early on the affection and the love and the affirmation that their soul craves from their parents is delivered only when they achieve, only when they succeed. Fast forward 10 or 15 years, you've got a stressed out, workaholic, hurricane of a person who can't say no to anything and feels guilty every time they rest. Am I in your kitchen yet? We learned it wrong. We got it wrong. That's not success. And the scary thing is, if you picked that up along the way when you were a kid, you are almost certain to believe that your salvation is somehow earned. You're almost certain to believe that in some way, you, God, God approves of you when and only when you perform. And you're almost certain to believe that on some level, you're earning your salvation. And we don't. And we can't. It'll never be enough. Some of you, I mean, I did this for a long time. I spent a lot of years wanting my father's approval and not getting it. A lot, of, a lot of time, a lot of therapy, a lot of struggle. The whole time correlating my walk with God and trying and trying and trying and striving and striving and striving to be good enough and never ever feeling like I was. Our salvation is not something we earn. Does God call us to holiness? Yes. Does he call us to excellence? Yeah. Does he call us to honor him with excellence in all that we do? Of course he does. With our very best? Always. Yeah. But not in some vain effort to try to win his love and affection which he seems to be withholding until we achieve. 
We're called to honor him with our best and honor him with excellence in response to his love freely given. Love and affection and affirmation and approval that has nothing to do with your performance. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to a church in the city of Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He saved you by his grace when you believed. It doesn't say he saved us by his grace when we achieved or when we got there or when we suddenly reached our peak level of holiness. It said he, he saved us by his grace when we believed so that no one can boast about it. So that there is no, I was holy enough to achieve God's love. I was holy enough to earn God's approval. I did it enough and worked hard enough and prayed hard enough and gave, hard, gave enough and did all the things I was supposed to do to earn the love of my heavenly Father. That's simply, straight up, not how it works. But it does talk about good works you were created in advance to do. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The good works, the achieving, the holiness, the helping the world, the loving others and the serving all begins with honoring God. It begins with knowing your place in the story. It begins with knowing you are his beloved son or daughter. That it's not based on achievement. And some of you are sitting there in this chair right now. You're sitting there in that seat or you're watching online and you're just thinking, God, please, please, please let my dad be hearing this. Please, God, let my mom hear this. Please let my husband hear this or my wife hear this. Please let them hear this. Look, at, you can't control whether another person hears this but you can control whether or not it lands on you. Let it land on you this morning that God is crazy about you, that he cares about you deeply, that if God has a wallet, he's got your picture in it. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He approves of you and affirms you, even with our shortcomings, even with our struggles. When we turn from those things and pursue him, it is never in an attempt to win his love. It is always in response to his love freely given. So I want to ask you guys to read something with me. I don't often do this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have us read something aloud together. Some words are going to appear on the screen, and I want to just give you a minute to read them real quick. Because of God's grace, I can accept me. I'll read, don't, not just yet. I got it. You don't have to jump in and be successful. I got it. Okay, hang on. Because, because of God's grace, I appreciate the effort. Because of God's grace, I can accept me as I am. And because of God's grace, I can accept others as they are. All together now. 
Because of God's grace, I can accept me as I am. And because of God's grace, I can accept others as they are. This is not a matter of effort. This is not about the power of positive thinking. This is not how to make friends and influence people. This is not 10 easy steps to this, that, or the other. This is about faith. It's about believing what God says about you. Knowing who you are and whose you are. You're his. And he loves you like crazy. And I hope you succeed at everything you put your hand to. May you glorify God and achieve excellence in all that you do. But may it never be in an attempt to earn the love of God or earn your salvation or to somehow replace the approval and affirmation and affection that you never got in your family of origin. May it be only and ever to respond to the love of God freely given to all of us, manifesting itself in the work Jesus Christ did on the cross on our behalf. May that be front and center for us that we might walk the earth knowing who we are and whose we are. And with that, let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this great reminder. And God, we get it backwards. We just get it backwards so much. And we, we re we're reminded and we know it. And then we go right back out and try to earn it. We're reminded and we know it. And we go right back out and try to earn it again. Father, whisper to us daily that we are yours, your beloved daughters and sons the apple of your eye not because of how amazing we are but father only because of how amazing you are may we live in response to that and pursue you and achieve and do think great things in your name responding to your great love for us we pray these things in jesus name amen Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.